When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices, as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So how do you stay up to date on all of the excitement regarding the Tampa Bay Lightning? You download the Odyssey app, you search Pucks and Bolts, you hit the auto download button so that all of those brand new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. We've had great mini-sodes from some of your favorite players, getting some insight on milestones and so much more, and amazing guests. We have a returning guest Ed Encino with us today from the Tampa Bay Times. And as you guys all know, I am your host, Casey Hudson. I am so excited to get into a brand new episode. For starters, it feels like it's been weeks since we've talked hockey, uh, especially with you, Ed. But it's been a minute for me because I've been getting over this this cold, the sinus infection, and it's not COVID, thank God. Um, But how are you? I saw you down in NHL All-Star Weekend. You stayed there to cover the Florida game, which was Probably not as exciting uh, covering the Tampa Bay Lightning for that opening. Um, but how's everything been going with you? Good. You know, we're uh, we're getting kind of the stretch run here. So uh, so that's exciting. It feels like games are starting to kind of mean a little bit more and, uh, you know, the points matter and everything like that. So um, it's getting good. Uh, went, to, went out to Denver for that game um, and uh, was obviously in any time those two teams meet, I think, at, at this point is, uh, is really an interesting matchup. So. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting down to the stretch run here. So <laughs> I know take your vitamins, your injections, all your hydration and electrolytes. Cause this is the part of the season <laughs> that feels like it's never ending, but it is also the most exciting time, which kind of brings me back to that Colorado conversation. I think we can't open a discussion without talking about the fact that the Tampa Bay lightning beat Colorado twice with a shutout at home five to zero. And then in Colorado, as you mentioned, um, with a nice little shootout. They love the excitement of overtime, I feel like, at this part of the season, which is yeah. the most stressful thing for me. Uh, but that's probably the fan in me speaking. So how important were those wins for the Lightning? And what does it mean to this team to get those two victories over that Stanley Cup uh, rematch that they had? Right. I think they're important. You know, obviously, you know, it's good for the confidence. I know that, you know, the, every they they still have that bad taste in their mouth from from game six, and especially coming on home ice. Uh, back in June. So, yeah, I, I think anytime that, that you meet those guys and you beat them, it's good. Obviously it's, it's not the same team that necessarily, you know, beat them in the, in the cup final, obviously there were right. a couple of major pieces, including Kale McCarr of late. So, but I think the game planning of, of those games was, was really important. You know, the one thing they learned about the avalanche in the final was you got to stop the speed. Right. And I think they were able to do that in that first game, obviously, you know, they were you saw them kind of lock down uh that that top line and 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 just make it really hard for them to get anything going offensively and that started really with that you know that that second line the Sorelli line with Hagel and and Kalorn you know matched up on the McKinnon line uh you know they really just stopped them from getting going you know they they put pressure on them at their own blue line 
you know, prevent them from really getting that speed through the neutral zone. And, you know, they were kind of chasing the puck all night. So um, I think that was important. And then when you play a team so uh, in such a short amount of time, like, like this happened, it was two games in six days um, and, and just one game between, it almost kind of has a postseason feel to it. And you know that the teams are going to make adjustments to each other. So, you know, what you saw in Denver the other night was you know, both teams kind of making adjustments to each other and, you know, a very evenly matched game. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the fact that the Lightning kind of came back, um, you know, and, and got two points out of that, you know, really good, you know, sh- overtime period. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the Steven Stamkos goal held up in a shootout, um, you know, you saw that they were able to kind of, you know, they're able to earn those kind of, you know, close points. There was one game that was that five nothing game was a lot closer than maybe the score indicated, but then you get right. into a, you know, a game that's really close down to the end. Um, and, and, and you're able to pull that out. And, um, you know, the, the past couple of games they've had, you know, that, that Colorado game in color and, and then obviously in Arizona, both going to shootouts. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, when we were in, in down in uh, in Sunrise at the All Star Game, Casey. You know, like the, the a big talk was about, you know, have, have shootouts kind of run their run their length, their course, you know, yeah, you know, run the course, and to see them, you know, win one, lose one in, in shootouts. It's it's funny. I actually after coming out of Sunrise, I started asking a bunch of guys about that in the locker room, and you know, it's it's pretty much the same consensus that we heard at the All Star Game, which is you know, amongst players, these points are important. You know, so they'd rather see them decided in hockey, in, in, yes. in a, a shootout, you know, Victor Hedman's told me, he said, if there's one, one change I would make, one rule change I would make, it would be to extend those overtime sessions from five to 10 minutes. So, and that's coming from Victor Hedman, who, you know, already plays a lot of minutes, you know, and, <laughs> you know, so to hear him say that, you know, listen, the, you know, the points are important and we rather get it, this habit decided, even though it's three on three, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a exciting style of hockey. You're seeing a lot of open ice, a lot of chances happen, you know, mm-hmm. I'd rather see that than necessarily, you know, something that maybe happened in Colorado in, a, in, you know, in, um, in Arizona where, you know, they outplay a team for, you know, 65 minutes in every facet of the game other than score. And then it comes down to, you know, a couple, a couple saves here and there that decides a point. And those points are important. Not many, and, and, and the lightning are entrenched in a playoff position right now. You know, they're probably going to be in that second or third spot, but they're still fighting, you know, the, the Leafs for that, you know, home feet, home ice advantage in that first round matchup and what's going to be likely a first round matchup with Toronto. So, you know, the points are important and the points are important to everyone. They're important to Colorado right now. I mean, you look at the West and you know, I'm sure we'll get into that, but like it's, it's crowded in, 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 in the West right now. Everyone's fighting for spots. There's going to be a good team in the West that doesn't make the playoffs right now. That looks like, so, um, you know, the, the point, I think the players look at it as like the points are important and we rather have it decided in, a situation that's you know we 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 have more of the control of how that's decided than necessarily mm-hmm. a shootout. But we've seen that the past couple of nights. Um, if you want to read more about that, it's on TampaBay.com in, in our in our in our uh, online. I think today I, just, I literally just finished writing it, and then um, <laughs> little plug and uh, in in our print edition on Sunday. So so I mean it's 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 fun to kind of get that that kind of take from players. You know, more, more than likely in hockey, they're really open to kind of saying their their opinions with stuff like this with you know, status right. of the game kind of thing. So it was kind of interesting. I talked to, to Victor Hedman. I talked to Ross Colton, who is one of the guys who actually has is, is been really good in shootouts. He's been one of their best shootout guys the past few years. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear him say too, you know, I, I'd rather have it decided in, in, in an overtime too. So, right. um, 
but yeah, so I can want to kind of on a tangent there, Casey, but um, <laughs> no, but, but yeah. you mentioned so many great points though, Ed, and for starters, I do want actually that article link so that we could throw it up there with this episode, because that was a big topic that came up in a lot of different discussions during all-star weekend um, in terms of, you know, how long the guys want the season to be, if they want things to right. be determined by shootouts and a lot of players, they want, they just want to play hockey. They don't want to take it to that shootout situation. And in the all-star game, you got the top of the top in the NHL and it was so hard to land a goal. And, while it's fun and exciting and while the guys like you saw them kind of remove some of the fancy element from their game, because at some point they were like, okay, I just got to get this freaking puck in the net. And I feel like that just kind of takes the wind out of their sails and thinking about a game environment, high emotions, points on the line, you need the two points. You want the two points. You walk away with one because of the situation that's got to be a little defeating versus, you know, putting your best legs out there and really attacking it. So Victor Hedman saying it, he has my vote. Anything Hedman says goes because it's a guy who can play forever right. <clears throat> without any complaints. Um, I don't under, even understand how how he can stay on the ice for so long and still be so effective, but it's absolutely brilliant. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a great takeaway. And uh, I kind of want to take that to a vote. Fans, do you guys think that shootouts need to cease to exist and let these guys play hockey extend overtime? I'm a personal fan of that as well. Um, but something else you said that was important that I would like, love to touch on is that that first 5-0, you know, that, that shutout that the Bolts got versus Colorado, um, you're right. The play wouldn't be exactly equivalent to what the result was score-wise. What I found interesting, though, and you were in Colorado, is changing up that second line because I thought that Hagel and Sorelli were so efficient and so effective together. You have two of the top four checkers in the league battling it out to isolate a line that, that can be so dominant. Um, so I was surprised that Coach Cooper made that change. Does that kind of speak to the, I don't want to say depth, but does that speak to where this team lies talent-wise, that they can make those kinds of changes and still beat a team like Colorado, even though it's not the same Colorado team from the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, I think it is interesting because, Casey, I think that, you know, you've he's gotten into, you know, the, the lines always change on a whim, right? But I think he's become really comfortable with, you know, at any point, you know, deciding to switch that kind of Hegel Stamkos component between those those two lines and create really different looks. And, um, you know, when he puts Stamkos up on that top line, it's, you know, you've got, you know, the big boys all kind of together, you know, and and, right. and you've got to account for them. And, um, you know, and then when you when you put you know, Hagel down with, with, with Sorelli and Kalorn, like, obviously, like we said, like, that is a, that's a line that causes a lot of problems for, for other teams, you know, in, in, in the defensive end. So, um, and, you know, obviously the forechecking aspect of it, like, I don't know if there's a, a forechecking line that I, I rather have go against anyone's, you know, top line than, than that, that trio, because they're just so good at the forecheck and they're so committed to it, which I think are different yeah. things, but, um, you know, and then, you know, so I, I think you know when you talk about those top six, you know there, there's so many different so many different pieces that you can kind of move around, and we've seen that you know Hagel Stamkos kind of switcheroo, but like you know even when you know we've seen you know on the power play we've seen Sorelli kind of come in for for Hagel on the first team, you know when they need an offensive zone faceoff, you know Sorelli can come in for that, um, and you know so and all of this has kind of been a result of the return of Anthony Sorelli. You know, it's been, right. uh, you know, th they were without him for two months and, 
when he came back, it allowed them to do a lot of different things. And um, I think that when you actually kind of look at, not to put this all on 71, but like when you kind of look at them kind of coming into their own as a team and, and starting to get depth too, it, it kind of coincided with Sorelli coming back because then you could move a person like Nick Paul to a third line. And then you create that kind of dynamic with, uh, you know, Ross Colton and with, you know, Pat Maroon. I know that, you know, they kind of reunited the school bus line, you know, past couple of games right. with, with Maroon going back down to four and the Mestikoff, you know, coming up. But, um, you know, you, you kind of started to see that that depth, you know, and whether that's, you know, a guy like Maroon playing up or that's, you know, getting some added punch from a guy like Nemestikov, which we saw, you know, a few games ago, you know, um, I think you're trying, you're starting to see that, that depth that you need now at this point in the season. And that certainly you need in the playoffs. You know, I think that we began the season kind of looking for that and, you know, wondering like, okay, where are they going to get help? You know, when in the playoffs, when Point and Kucherov and Stamkos aren't, aren't going to score because it's a two, one game and people are locking them down where are they going to get that offense? And I think, you know, we're starting to kind of see that, but I really do think it's kind of all come from the return of Sorelli because he, him coming back and the, the kind of player he is and the, what he can do in all different kinds of situations um, has, has allowed them to do that. And obviously, you know, Brandon Hagel kind of becoming, but we, the, the, the word is um, the, the word that the guys always use and Cooper uses it, like guys who bring you into the fight. Right. And yes. Sorelli's one of those guys and Brandon Hagel is really kind of emerged into one of those guys as well Is like these guys who have a certain style of play that can really bring guys into kind of the defensive mining, lock down your own zone for checking, control the puck, play heavy hockey, you know, that kind of hockey, which really translates in the playoffs. So I, I think, you know, the emergence of the return of one of those guys and the emergence of the other guy has really kind of given this, this team, really kind of an identity that they need going into these last 28 games of the regular season and obviously into the postseason. And Sorelli's that guy that can continue to turn it up heading towards playoffs. Is there another player on this roster right now that's kind of taking that next step? We were talking with Paul Kennedy about it earlier in the week. Um, I'm not going to say my guy yet because I told Paul my guy right away, but I'm going to see where you lean towards this. Uh, we talked about Perbix last time you were on the show. Right. Anthony Sorelli is obviously a given, but is there somebody else who's taking their game to another level that we can say, yeah, he's going to he's going to dial it up in playoff mode or, you know, he's going to help this team get get over the hump? Well, I think, you know, the, the one guy that stands out other than the, you know, the guys that we mentioned there, Sorelli and Hagel, is really Ross Colton, you know, and I think. That, yes, that's you know, the one that I've had. <laughs> he, um you know, we, we've kind of wait, we've, we've, we've waited for Ross Cohen to kind of take his game to a different level, but probably don't appreciate what he does, you know, and, you know, he's a guy who, you know, he adds so much, you know, in terms of possession hockey, like I said, you, you saw that third line. I love the chemistry that him and Nick Paul have kind of developed on, on that third line. You know, they're, they're two guys who each other in such a great yeah, way. They, they kind of feed off of each other. You know, they, they kind of know where each other are right now. And obviously, when Maroon is on that line, him and him and Colton play together for you know several years now in in stretches. You know, so so they know that kind of possession style hockey behind the net, um, kind of hockey that, that that they like to play. And 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 Ross has also kind of developed a little bit of an edge to himself too, which I like. You know, um, you know he's not afraid to get dirty in the middle. He's not afraid to mm -hmm. to drop his gloves. Um, and 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 you know maybe he gets that a little bit from Pat, but like. I, I like the style of play that Ross Colton plays 
when he's not necessarily a 20 goal scorer. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think he's kind of developed that over the course of, of his career. And you don't just come become that kind of guy, you know, you, you look at his numbers and maybe they're not like super, you know, impressive when you look at the numbers themselves, but he's a very important part of this team. And, you know, he's also a guy that, you know, without putting him on the, on the trade block right now, but like the team has to kind of figure out what they, what they want with the future with Ross Colton right now. He's a restricted right. free agent at the end of the year. He's arbitration eligible. So he is a guy who's going to make some money, you know, um, going, going into this, this, this off season. So, um, you know, he's a guy that they've kind of got to figure out what they, what they really want from him, what kind of player they really need him to be. And I think, you know, but, but knowing Ross Colton, we, we, we see him, we talk to him after games, like, he might be one of the more competitive guys out there that you don't necessarily see as being as competitive. Like he wants to win as much as everyone else. And he's learned it from being in that room, you know? Um, but he, he is a guy that, you know, they, they kind of have to figure out, you know, where his future lies. Um, but also, you know, before you even think about the possibility of trading him is you've got to ask yourself, are you going to get any, whatever you get for him, is it going to be better than what you have from him? And that's, and mm -hmm. I think that's the toughest question because, that's going to be a really, really good fit. You know what I mean? To, to even think about moving Ross Colton at this point, but there are only a certain number of guys right now who could be attractive to other teams that aren't uh, minor leaguers or draft picks, you know, and, and as we know, those are kind of depleted right now. So, you know, you're talking about guys like Ross Colton, you're talking about guys like Calfoot, who we've seen a lot of, you know, the past you know few days. I just wrote about him today on TampaBay.com, man, I'm, I'm the, the timing of this is great because I'm keeping all my stuff, but um, I know, you know at least we're on the same wavelength. You have right, all so, the so, detailed information. Right. So, so Ross Colton's, I mean, um, Cal Foot's another guy, you know, we saw him play three games, two of them were because Nick Paul was out, but then he got that start in Colorado. Um, they mm -hmm. sat Nick Perbix for, for a game. Um, and, and so, you know, possibility that maybe they're showcasing him, you know, he's a guy with, uh, you know, obviously first, first round pedigree, you know, uh, pedigree in, in the sense that he's, you know, a, a former, you know, uh, NHLers son, you know, who happens to now <laughs> be an assistant coach in Vancouver. Um, and so, you know, but, but these are guys that there's not many guys that they can move that have, you know, controllability, you know, and so Colton and foot are two of those guys. And there's not really much beyond that, um, that, that is not under either an expiring contract or maybe one of an older guy. So, mm -hmm. um, so, so, you know, Colton is the guy that kind of stands out to me in a lot of ways. And like I said, I'm not trying to put him on the trading block, but at the same time, he is one of those guys that I'm sure teams are calling about, you know, like and asking whether a guy like him is available. Now, obviously, I don't I don't know what kind of deal. It's got to be a really good deal to move Ross Colton, I think, because of what he's doing right now and, and the impact that he has on that third line. And, and obviously also, too, he's a developing guy in that power play, you know, that that second team power play unit. We don't see much of them. But he's a big right. part of it, and, and he's become a big part of it at kind of that that one timer position on the other side. You know, you got Stamkos on one side and, and Colton on the other side on the second second team power play unit, and and he's kind of developed into that role. But you know, I think he's one of those guys that they they really would like to have a long term future with because he's homegrown. You can kind of see him grow, and his two way game fits the way that they want to play, especially in the Absolutely. postseason. Let's not forget that. Ross Colton scored some pretty important goals in the postseason as well. You know, whether it was, mm -hmm. you know, the deciding goal of the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago, or what I think was really probably one of the biggest goals of the postseason last year when uh, he scored in game two against Florida on the road to take a 2-0 lead against those guys and really kind of 
like didn't put them away, but he put a big dagger in them yeah. you know, with, with that goal. That I, I don't know if I've heard a crowd just completely die down. I heard it twice <laughs> in the postseason last year. Once was in that game when he scored, and the other one was game seven in in, in, uh, in Toronto when Nick Paul scored uh, that second goal to give them, uh, you know, the, the lead uh, in game seven of a, of a decisive, uh, you know, first round matchup with their Leafs. So, um, mm -hmm. but so you know, he's not even, even if he's not scoring 22 goals a game, like he did last year, you know, you can depend on Ross Colton to come up big and give you that depth that you need in, in the postseason. So, but like you said, yeah. that's a long answer to your question, but, uh, but 79 <laughs> would probably be the one guy who I would circle, you know, to answer. No, but it was perfect because of course, you know, Kennedy had a different response. A few other people that I've talked to about it have, have mentioned some other guys, but it's been Ross Colton for me. He's just had an edge to his game as of late, but it's not surprising either because, like you said, heading towards that postseason, you just kind of see a different Ross Colton, and he's mm -hmm. crucial to this game. He shows up when it matters most. That second power play unit, I feel like, has almost been more reliable in some of these games. Uh, the last, I don't want to say the last three special teams hasn't really existed, but before that, you know, right. the second power play unit has been spectacular, and Ross Colton has been a leading charge on that. So I think that I would be, I would be sad to see him leave this team. <clears throat> I think that he continues to make the strides necessary and is playing a key role there, which takes me to one other quick question before we start getting into this division standings talk. It's, you know, is that where a guy like Pat Maroon comes in so big for this team? Because guys like Ross Colton can learn certain elements of the game, like his leader abilities, because I chatted with Pat before they hit it, hit it before they hit the road for the road trip. And, um, you know, talking about his 700 game milestone and he was mentioning the fact that when he played five years in the minors 700 games in the NHL wasn't even a thought for him and how it kind of snuck up on him and I think he kind of he's very humble about what he contributes to this team because he was like you know I don't have the numbers that I typically would want to have I'm a little bit slower these days uh, but I, I still think that he's a guy that helps tilt the ice for this team and he's teaching that to guys like Ross Colton and Nick Paul and anybody who's lying, he, he has a tendency to be on. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, the, you know, I think they pay Pat Maroon a million dollars a year, I think. And, <clears throat> but his value to this, this team and in the room is much, much more, much greater than that. And it, and it comes more than whatever it is, the 13 minutes that he might average a game or something like that. But it really comes into the fact that, you know, you look at Pat Maroon and he's become, the consummate winner, you know, I mean, like no one has done what he's done recently in terms of, you know, winning, being on winning, being a part of winning teams on two different organizations. And, you know, he always has that, that X, you know what I mean? Like on, on next to his name and he's going to have it, you know, and whether it's beneficial by his, whatever he says, you know, having value in a room, whether it's to a Ross Colton or, or to a Nick Paul or anything like that, like, I feel like there's there's certain guys in the room who, when they say stuff, it really matters, and and it's it matters mm -hmm. for different reasons, but there's so much value to that in a room, and especially when it comes to crunch time, when a room gets quiet, and you know maybe they're down a goal going into the third period in the playoffs or something like that, a big game, and the younger guys look to see who says stuff. You know, people, the young guys want to know what Nikita Kucherov has to say. He doesn't say much but they want to mm -hmm. hear what he has to say. Like when, when Corey Perry doesn't say much, but when he does, because he's been in this league for 18 years and he's won a Stanley cup and he's been, you know, he's led the league in goals before. Um, 
it's hard to be in this league for that long. When he says something, it matters. And the same thing with Maroon. And and Maroon is it's a different way because he's been through the battles. I mean, it, it's amazing though because when he played on the same line as Connor McDavid, he scored a bunch of goals. You know, but he's he's emerging to this guy who's a third fourth line guy and kind of the enforcer. You know, guy who you know isn't going to take anything from anyone is going to defend his teammates. And I think that goes a long way. You know, too like that role that he has now and he's had it for years is is you know one that's really important and guys guys look to him you know and and um i know that ross colton's learned a lot from pat maroon over the past two you know two three years and um what i love is i love going into the locker room and seeing what guys interact with each other and mm -hmm. you know I, I remember seeing that early on with, with colton and maroon like those guys were kind of attached you know and, and you know i love what i see right now in the room with guys like hagel and, and kucherov like th those guys have their stalls right next to each other and they sit and talk. And I think that, you know, a guy like Brandon Hagel, who's who's still, you know, he's 24 years old. Everyone kind of forgets that he's one of the youngest guys on the team. And even though he's playing the league for a few years, you know, he's still pretty wide-eyed. You know, he, you know, everyone talks about, yeah, he's played with Patrick Kane. He's played on big lines and stuff like that. But, like, he's still a wide-eyed guy who's wanting to learn, you know, at every point that he can. And having Nikita Kucherov right next to him is, is one of the best things that you can probably have because – if you you see those two guys talk, you know, Nick Paul gets in those conversations too, you know, and I love kind of watching who talks to who and who like, you know, is, is feeding off of another guy. But, and I remember, you know, we weren't in the room, you know, a couple of years ago when, when, when Ross Cohen was a rookie because of COVID, but you could still tell the interaction between those two guys was really valuable. And like I said, uh, you know, we, we do see it sometimes with now with Pat Maroon that like he is a guy who, you know, he's another one of those guys that kind of brings guys into the fight. And he's a guy who definitely, um, you know, guys listen to, you know, again, like you, we, we hear him chirp. And like when we hear the mic'd up moments <laughs> about like he, he he has the ultimate ender of any kind of chirp because, you know, he's won three, <laughs> he won three straight Stanley Cups, you know. And, and right. you know, I, I love hearing the mics when he's mic'd up when like they play a team in like Boston or Toronto because he lets them hear it, you know, like. What have you guys done lately? Because you know, yeah. I know you've got three rings on my finger, you know. So, um, and that and that that goes a long way, a whether taunter. it's during the game or in the locker room, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that the guys feed off of that too, because why not? It's exciting and and it radiates throughout everyone. But I would definitely agree um, that Ross Colton has learned a lot from him, and I love the different leadership styles that this room carries. I yeah. don't know if, if if many teams can say that they have so many different and unique leadership voices that that hit as hard and that uh, deliver as well. So unique locker room. Obviously, we love covering this team and being a part of it, and you've been a part of it for so long. But speaking of bringing guys more, into the huh, just one other thing, Casey, just to mention is like you know that leadership aspect was kind of like in question a little bit at the beginning of the year because they did lose yeah. such a big guy in Ryan McDonough, and <clears throat> you know Ryan McDonough like. The, the the trade of Ryan McDonough hit a lot of guys in that locker room hard and probably more so than than was ever written or discussed. But it was it hit them hard because it was a reality check that like, hey, like maybe the window like isn't as big as we think it is. And, you know, it, it had to be done, obviously, because what it allowed them to do was, you know, lock up some of those younger guys to big, big time extensions, what they needed to do. But still, like they had to replace a leader and Ryan McDonough. You know, you were you were in the locker room the past couple of years, and you know that guy was just anything. Anytime he said something, it carried weight, and yeah. they needed to find a little bit more. And I think Kucherov stepped up. I think Corey Perry stepped up a little bit more, um, and I think Maroon stepped up too. I think they're you know 
you have the voices in the room, you know, like everyone always looks to Stamkos, you know, what, what's he going to say, you know, Hedman, everyone always looks to those guys, you know, but, but there's other guys in the room who, you know, they, they're so good at picking their spots. And that's one thing that, that Ryan McDonough was really, really good at is that when he, he, he didn't necessarily say a lot, but he had the A on his sweater and everything, every time he said something, it carried a lot of weight. So now yeah. you had to kind of develop a little bit more of a voice from some other guys. And I think it took a little bit of time, but I think now that, you know, they, they've kind of gotten that. And, um, and that's really important, especially in the tough times. And, and a team like this one is it's, it's interesting because like, they don't have very many tough times in the regular season, you know, and mm -hmm. there's not that many like, Oh, you know, like put up or shut up kind of moments for them in the regular season. Mm -hmm. They all come in the playoffs. And so they need to kind of develop that voice going into the playoffs because, you know, there's going to be these moments, no matter what, when guys are looking around and someone has to say something and, you know, it's gotta be, you know, and maybe it's not the guy you think it is, you know, maybe it's, it's right. one of these guys who doesn't necessarily say much, but then, you know, they, they kind of, carries. You, know, you know, I mean, like a guy like Nick Paul, you know, like, I think we saw mm -hmm. the, the lightning do a really good job at miking these guys up on the bench and stuff. And I was surprised at how vocal he is. See him and Hagel, you know, two guys who. He's so who, smart. He's yeah, so he smart. So right. in a way so, it doesn't so, surprise me because like, I feel like he has such a perspective where you want to hear what Nick Paul is going to say. Right. If he has an opinion on something. That's a great thing to bring up though. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and both of those guys, I mean, I think one thing that they've done a really good job at, and this is, this goes down to the professional scouting department and, you know, the, even the analytics department and stuff like that. But, you know, they found these guys who are really all from all walks of life in terms of where, what got them here. You know, you talk about Hagel, a guy who was drafted, not signed by the Sabres. You know, he had to fight his way. You know, you talk about a guy like Paul who, you know, played years on the bus back and forth between Ottawa and Belleville in the AHL and, you know, finally get kind of got his shot, you know, so guys who weren't the first round picks like the Stamkoses and the Hedmans and the Vasilevskis, you know, um, or the, the guys who were like the Braden points and the Kita Kucherovs who were, you know, who, who did kind of have to, you know, emerge, you know, but, um, you know, having guys like that, along with some of these, you know, veteran guys like the Corey Perry's, the Belmars, the, the, you know, the Pat Maroons, you know, they've got such a good mix of guys and they're mm -hmm. so good at putting this group together, you know, like the, the core has been together for years, but finding those guys that, you know, just fit in so well. And, and I can't, like, I can't tell you how much, like, just watching Paul and Hagel in the locker room, it's like, these guys just didn't come into, the, it's, it, there's no way that those guys just came into the room last, last March, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, the way they, they are immersed in the, in the room, it's, it's like they've been there for five years, you know? So yes. It, it's such a good Their job that everyone does. Yeah, and that's such a great way to put it, the, the versatility and all the different personalities, but how everyone fits, like, you paint the perfect picture where you say, when you look at these guys, you would never think that some of them are new additions. Um, and plus, when we go into the locker room, it's guys like Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel, Pat Maroon that, that hang back and allow media to come up and ask them yeah. anything, really, <clears throat> to be a voice for this team and to kind of show more of what this team has to offer. So, so many different faces. But you make a great point, too, with the Ryan McDonough thing, because I feel like it's probably nerve-wracking to try to fill the shoes of a guy like that. You don't really fill those shoes. You try to get as close as possible. And that's where I personally, for as long as I've covered the team, four years, saw the most emotion with somebody uh, leaving the team. You know, yeah. Pat had a huge emotional post for him. Zach Bogosian, um even posted something. And I, and, and 
so many different guys. There was such emotion to Ryan McDonough not being a part of it. And then even when he came back, seeing McDonough in full tears, um, you yeah. just you can tell that there was a different – these guys communicate differently with one another, so they know what certain things mean with or without somebody saying it. I think McDonough was that guy that you just look to him and know – everything's going to be all right. The fight's going to be okay. We're going to get across this line. So I think that was a big point to bring up um, just to add value to where this team stands and the, and the many leaders that they have the honor of really kind of carrying on this roster. And you talked about them stepping up at the right time, takes us over to that division conversation. What does it mean to sit in that number two spot? The Bolts had it for a hot second. Now Maple Leafs sitting at 74 points, Lightning sitting at 73 points. How crucial is that number two standing uh, going to be? And, you know, how's this team going to weather that? Yeah, so I think, you know, they, they've gone under the for, the, for the past several years, like to them, it's about making the playoffs and whether they have home ice, it really doesn't matter. But I think this year it is a little bit different. I think you want to have home ice against Toronto. I think that, especially if you're in that situation, you know, they've kind of been, you know, kind of like you know five six points back for like a good two months and now they had this kind of surge and they're right there you know one point behind with a game in hand I think so you know you've got 28 games left and you know I, I think you want to make that push you know Boston's probably a little bit un unattainable at this point but if you can get that home ice standings against against the Leafs like that that's going to be big like they and, and the one thing is like this whole group with the exception of you know maybe you know Nick Perbix um you know, knows what that's like. They know what a grueling test, a seven game series against the Leafs is, is like, um, and, and playing in front of that crowd. I mean, like, um, I, I, I think that Toronto, it's not as imposing playing in Toronto as maybe some people see, but there's so much, like, it's not, it's not a loud arena. It's not a crazy arena. It's not the craziest of any, any that I've been in the postseason. I thought that Florida was crazier than, than, than really? Toronto. It's a, it's a really loud arena. They turn up the speakers really high. Their music's really loud. Um, but there's so much that encompasses Toronto. There's so much that encompasses playing in Toronto. Like, I feel bad for the Leafs it's players sometimes because they have to be asked every single day about whether this is going to be their year, whether this is going to be the year that they win the cup, whether this is going to be the year they get out of the first round, you know? So there's so much, like, attention that comes around any time that the Lightning play Toronto and, mm -hmm. you know, then there's the Steven Samkos aspect of it, you know, him coming home, him being this, this guy who, you know, grew up in Markham, you know, right outside Toronto, you know, about how when he was a free agent, the, 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 the Maple Leafs wanted him so bad that they, they brought out the, you know, the CEO of Canadian Tire to offer him, you know, all these, <laughs> you know, merchandising deals and everything like that. And he said, nah, I'm good. I'll stay in Tampa, you know. And so every time wow. he comes back, there's all these questions for him about Toronto, you know. And a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys have that, you know, are from that area, you know, uh, you know, it's it's the, kind of seen as the home of hockey and the Hall of Fame is just, you know, five five step walk around away from the arena there. So um, there, there's so much that that I, I, let me say this: covering a game, a playoff game in Toronto, and covering a playoff game in Tampa is like between these teams is two totally different things, and so. You know they, but they know they know that from experiencing it. This whole group does. You know, even the, new, the newer guys like Paul and Hagel, and so. But they know that having knowing, but also too, like we, it, it's also where you're most comfortable too. And obviously, this team has been very comfortable at home. They have one of the best home records in the league, so that's why it's important too. You know, you, you they haven't necessarily been the same team on the road this year. I think they're two games 
one or two games over over 500 and they've gotten better but you know i think that's kind of the big aspect you want to be where you're most comfortable and right now they are definitely most comfortable playing at home um and i think that would tra- that translates into the postseason but they're always going to say and and they do feel this way because they've done it um is it you know they they're okay you know playing on the road and yeah you know, one another story that i'm working on is kind of another one that kind of rooted from the all-star game stuff with with Vasilevsky and Kucherov getting booed in Sunrise. In oh a, my in gosh! <laughs> in a uh, in 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 a exhibition game, right? And one thing I'm working on is kind of what it's like for players how they feed off of being booed. And you know, these guys love it. They love being booed. And whether that's in you know in 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 the All Star game or whether it's in Toronto or whether it's you know anywhere else, like they like there's a certain you know, energy that, that, that these guys get from getting, you know, booed yeah, on the different road. level of motivation. Right. And I, I know, I, I, I'm sure you saw the Vasilevsky quote from the All-Star game that when I asked him about it, I think you're right there. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, he says it's like, it's you know, getting booed is almost like a compliment from a crowd. It's like you're, mm-hmm. it shows that you did something good against them. That's, you know, that they mm-hmm. want to boo you, you know? So, right. Um, and I think actually, I think Vasilevsky was actually very complimentary in that quote. It probably came off as him being very like, like all the mentions that I got about it were like, that it was like a goat tweet, a goat quote or something <laughs> like that. But like, but I honestly think that he actually meant it as like complimentary to their crowd being like, he was saying like, I'd love to see hear that everywhere because I know it means something to them, you know, and like me being here means something to them and me playing against them means something to them. So I think it was more complimentary. I think it, it kind of came off as a little bit more of like a, a swagger quote, but like, honestly, think it does was more being like, no, like it's, it's, it actually is like a compliment to me. I actually mm-hmm. truly take it in as like a compliment, but, but like I said, like these guys have, have, have flourished on the road in the past in the postseason. So if they get that three, that third place, you know, spot versus a two place spot, I wouldn't worry about them, but mm-hmm. you know, they play so well at home that, you know, you've got to think that, that, that it doesn't mean something to get that, that number two seed, you know, especially in that first round matchup against the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for painting such a perfect picture with that. Ed, you mentioned a couple stories during this segment. Let them know what stories you've got out, um, where they can find these stories and where they can find you, especially on Twitter, so that fans can go follow along. And then we will also, once again, throw those links up when we drop these episodes and these clips. Yeah, so let me uh, let me run back here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, something Alpha. like that. Cal, something like Calfoot today uh, on Friday, um, just kind of looking at, at, you know, I asked I asked Cooper in 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 Colorado, you know, what's he been looking like, and you know, why is he playing? And he's like, well, he deserves mm-hmm. to play. Obviously, the team isn't going to tell us if they're if they're showcasing a guy. And there's a lot of scouts in the in in the box much more these days than maybe in in, in November or, or December. Um, but you know, but what what's it been like for him, kind of to be this guy who really has played pretty sporadically, you know. Uh, he has not played more than three straight games since the first three games, first four games of the season. And so for a guy like him, how do you, you know, even if you're trying to showcase yourself, how do you do it? You know, how do you, how do you try to show, he's trying to show maybe not on purpose, but you know, he's trying to show that he can play no matter what, whether it's for this team or another team, how can you do that Mm -hmm. when, you know, you're not in the lineup every day. Um, And just kind of the the path that this thing took, because at the beginning of the year, they, they needed Calfoot to be a guy. um, But Nick Purvis kind of, emerged as that, you know, right shot defenseman to kind of fill that hole that they needed when, 
when when Jan Ruda left. So um, there's that. Obviously, like I said, it was really cool getting some takes. And at least I, I, I think it's really fun. I think these guys kind of get tired of talking about the same stuff. So when you bring up something to them Absolutely. that's a little bit different, they um, they really enjoy that. So um, like I said, the, the, the overtime thing, a lot of guys had some pretty good opinions. Even a guy like Corey Perry, who I, I like to turn to because he's the guy. I can't understand Corey Perry for the life of me. He talks <laughs> at volume two. I mean, I have to always like edit and turn up the he's volume. Really, he's, to really just... so, he's a really soft speaker. You got to put that thing like right next to him. Oh mouth my face. gosh. Like I want to feed it to him, but yeah. he's got great things to say. When he's, he's got great him. things to say. And um, like, you know, for him, it was more like, you know, some of these, some of the, the big guys, you know, what's, what's the wear and tear like, does that add up on them? If you add, you know, over times from 10 to, from five to 10 minutes, you know, that was his, his wow. thing. But, you know, like I said, got some pretty good opinions on that. Um, uh, like I said, the, the boo thing is really cool. Like I said, like it's, it, it's funny seeing guys face light up when you talk to them about being booed and mm -hmm. Corey Perry in the same interview was great on that. And I'll, I'll leave that at that because he was really incredible on that. And, like you said, he, and he knows he's a guy that people love to boo. So, um, <laughs> and then, you know, like the other thing too is, um, you know, there's always this time of year rumblings about the outdoor game, right? And the outdoor game in, in Florida and, um, you know, what what that could look like. Bettman was, I mean, Bettman was asked that uh, at the All-Star game with it being in Sunrise, you know, what what are the challenges? What are, um, are we any closer to that? Um, and I think a lot of people would tell you that, that it is getting closer to, to that kind of uh, a situation, and you know whether that that game, whether a game lands at Raymond James Stadium, um, in the next few years, I think that that's more possible than ever. So, talked to a bunch of guys about that too. You know, they experienced that in, in Nashville, um, and and that's one of those things. That I think, I mean, I look at it as that even like it's like one of those bucket list kind of things. Like when you're covering something, uh, you know experiencing kind of an outdoor game is just it's unreal you know and covering that in nashville yeah. last year was awesome they had a great backdrop you know it's probably one of the best cities to really do it in because you're you're right there downtown in music city and on the broadway and and um yeah i know the guys loved it uh they loved you know wearing their cowboy hats and their you know denim jackets uh <laughs> oh, off off, off the bus and everything like that so um but it's one of those things you know there's a family aspect to it like the night before you know, families come on, they skate with the players on the ice after the practice. So like, it's cool. There's one thing to two thing. And I think it goes into the leadership and everything that's built around in the room. It's like, all these guys have kids, they're all married. They're all kind of in the same part of our lives. And even for guys yeah. like, like Mikhail Sergachev, who's like one of the younger guys on the team, you know, he's expecting his first child in April, you know, those guys actually, you know, as much as they learn from the older guys on the ice, they also learn about other stuff, like family stuff. And like, What's this like? You know, how do you, you know, when you're an expected expectant father, like, you know, what, what, what do you And managing for? that so, lifestyle. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, th th there's little things like that too, that yeah, I, I think like they're all kind of in the same boat and the guys who maybe aren't or are, can learn from the older guys on that too. But, um, you know, there, there's, but, but th this group has, has been like, they're, they're going back to the outdoor game. I mean, like th there's so much stuff that I think, they've experienced from doing it in Nashville, but it would be really good to do, you know, if they were able to host a game, you know, we, we've mm -hmm. seen how much um, the all-star game hosting it in, in Tampa, that was such a, a, a big event in 2018, you know, Stamkos and, and it was kind of like the ambassador, like much like Kachuk was in, in sunrise, you know, like kind of the guy who's everywhere and stuff like that. So it'd be cool to see that again, um, you know, on, on a different stage. And like I said, I think 
if they're able, like Bettman said, if they're able to pull it off, they'll, they'll, they will. But the, obviously the, the obstacle with Florida is always going to be not just the heat, weather. because I think the heat isn't necessarily issue is the unpredictability of the weather. And it's like, mm-hmm. can you really isolate like this one week stretch in Florida where you can guarantee that it's not going to be crazy humid, that you're not going to get, you know, 3 p.m., you know, Rain. thunderstorms and, <laughs> you know, that the weather is just going to be kind of unpredictable. And that's, that's really the thing. It's like the heat itself, I think they can cool an ice, you know, like they've done, pre- they've done these games in Las Vegas. They've done them in LA, you know, they, they did it in Lake Placid. We, we saw that was kind of a struggle in Lake Placid because of the sun, but um, the heat itself, I think the technology has caught up that it's possible to do. It's just the unpredictability of the window that Rain. you're dealing with there with the weather in Florida. And, but I, yeah. I do think that, you know, I honestly think that the dream scenario, and I, I know everyone in Tampa would love to do this, is that little gap in late January, right around Gasparilla. If you can lock it around, like, you know, we've seen Super Bowls, yeah. we've seen All-Star Games, we've seen all this stuff kind of like be centered around Gasparilla. And if they can figure out how to do that with a with an outdoor game, it would be m- incredibly memorable Monstrous. for everyone in this area and the people who come mm-hmm. in to, to see this. Because I think in Tampa, you know, when, when you're, when you see stuff like that, that you maybe wouldn't normally, like, I don't think that many people come to Gasparilla and say, oh my God, we're going to go to Tampa for Gasparilla. But yeah. when you're immersed in it, <laughs> like it's a part of some other event, like you just kind of take it all in and it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. So um, I think if that's, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, coming up on the outdoor game of the stadium series game in Raleigh, which is, you know, kind of a warm weather place. And they it snows there and it gets cold there, obviously, but it's a, quote unquote, Sunbelt market. So um, obviously it being there helps out too. And this is kind of the time when they would announce something in terms of, uh, you know, when it would be next year and stuff like that. And I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. going to be here next year. I know there's been some Twitter scuttlebutt about- There's been some things roaring, right, yeah. About, about things really roaring cool. around, but everything I've kind of been told is that like, there's still a lot of um, a lot of things that need to happen for that to happen as soon as this as next year. But Again, it's, it's all promising because of the talks there. And um, like I said, the technology improves every year. Like it, it's incredible what's changed between now and maybe even five, four or three years ago um, with what they can do with the with the trucks and the cooling systems and everything like that um, in, a, in an arena. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like that's another thing to kind of watch, you know, coming up ahead. And obviously, you know, this is the, this is the good part of the season. You know, this is, this is the part where this is money time almost like for, and, and it is for us too, because this is when the games get more important. This is when two points mean a lot more. And, um, you know, there, there's, I've covered a lot of sports. I've covered baseball for eight years every day. I covered, you know, the NFL, I've covered, you know, you, you've covered a lot of sports too, but like, there's really nothing like postseason hockey. And mm-hmm. when there's like just the energy that, that immerse with, and especially when, if you're playing Canadian teams and stuff like that, or any of the, any of the, the 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 northeast markets or mid atlantic markets like i'm from there and i'm from <laughs> baltimore which isn't a hockey town but it's still the mid atlantic but like like the way they handle post seasons is a little bit maybe different than what we're used to in in the quote unquote sun belt but like there's nothing like postseason hockey like i said like last year's run even though they didn't win it uh was an incredible one and mm-hmm. like um like i was dealing with my own stuff like health wise during it but like it was, um, there's a like, vibrancy to it. Yeah, it there, changes there's, there's, everything. There's such an energy to it. And especially when you think mm-hmm. about, you know, Toronto, you know, for seven game series in Toronto, you know, against your, your rival, your cross state rival in Florida, 
and then against the, the New York Rangers, you know, and, and, you know, even before the Stanley cup final, they, they went through a gauntlet. They went through walls that like there, I'll be honest. There were times when I was like, they're done, you know, and they yeah, just kept going same. and kept going. And, um, but there was just so much energy in those, in those buildings. Um, and you know, just energy on the ice and energy in the room, you know, and, um, you know, we, we weren't in the rooms, uh, Last year, I don't think they're in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we every once in a while, maybe we were. Was, but they would bring them into the press conference. They bring them into the press room guys. and stuff like that. But like, that's one yeah. thing I expect about you know this year is kind of you know there's a little bit more opening up um, this year. There's been throughout the season post COVID, but um, but yeah, there's nothing like playoff hockey. And like I said, this this team always makes it interesting. And mm-hmm. you know, past three years that I've done it has been um, they they made they make that time of the year really fun. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that again. I don't know. How, I don't know where where they'll where they'll 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 stand at the end of the year, but um, I think there's still a lot of questions to be answered on that. But because um, because it is tough in the East this year, and mm-hmm. uh, and everyone just kind of gets a little bit better every year, you know. So um, you, you've just got to make adjustments. That's when the adjustments matter. And uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, 28 games left until it really 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 heats up. So. This is the uh, yeah. this is go time, you know, even for us. Yeah, and you're 100 percent right. It does feel different than any other sport. There's just a different energy to it, which makes it so exciting. And we have a lot of exciting things coming up: Hall of Fame stuff, getting towards the end right. of the season, getting into that playoff conversation, um, getting a, a bigger playoff picture of what that's going to look like. But if, if there's one thing that you described so perfectly, it's the fact that Tampa Bay is a hockey town, and it just becomes better and bigger year after year after year, and Thank you so much. We're going to have to have you back on around the Hall of Fame conversation. We kind of want to have a couple of you guys on, especially uh, Paul Kennedy, to kind of drum up and and create some lines and talk about these guys that are going to be inducted and that are celebrating one another. Thank you so much for joining us here at Pucks and Bolts. As you guys know, to catch this episode and all brand new episodes, download the Odyssey app, search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto download button so that all brand new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. Great episodes like this, great guests like Ed and all of Ed's work as he's covered the team for so long. Thank you so much again for joining us here at Pucks and Bolts, and we'll catch you guys next time. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.